0: all right when you hear the sound you already know what time it is it's time for who's to blame the podcast and i'm your host dre montez and we're being brought to you by the weed squad st louis feel free to go to the weedsquad.com or stop by their location located at 8088 Watson Road. Or to make it much easier for you, you can go to our website, DrayMontez.com. Hit the sponsor button, and it'll give you a list of all the sponsors that are affiliated with the show. Thank you, thank you very, very much. Happy New Year. I'm gonna keep saying it probably till the end of February. I'm gonna keep it going that way. Gotta give everybody like a good two months to get comfortable, and acclimated with everything. Got a few things I want to discuss today with you on the show, but before we get underway, there are several ways you can follow the show. on Facebook, we have a page, Who's to Blame? Instagram, Who's to Blame? The podcast, Twitter, at W2B, Dre Montez. And we also have a YouTube channel, Dre Montez, because we do a video on monday wednesdays and fridays at 11 a.m central standard time you can follow montez at midday on our youtube channel as well as our twitter page as well at w2b dre montez. to get caught up on the latest episodes of my podcast and our videos you can go to dre as well so there's lots of fun stuff on there for you if you want to support the show that way by buying some products we have t-shirts hats, Mountain Man Scrub for you as well. So there's a whole kind of ways you can contribute and help out with the show. And I appreciate it so much for all the great and amazing sponsors that we have with the show. With Valentine's Day approaching very, very fast, also the start of NASCAR season, looking for something for your loved one. Again, I would direct you to the page, DrayMontez.com. Hit the sponsor button and you will find restaurants on there. You will find a bra shop on there as well, and you will also find something you want to do for yourself. Maybe you want to add a little spice to your evening by using a drone for your event or f- something for the neighborhood to get all the lovers together and love people together and do something very creative out there for a loved one or yourself or friends. It's all kind of ways that you can get something for Valentine's Day. But thank you guys so much for been tuning into the show, and I appreciate all the new subscribers that we have on our YouTube channel, as well as on our Instagram page and Twitter. We're starting to get some attraction out there, which I'm really digging. Also, I'm really digging all the positive influence podcasts that have been coming my way in the Missouri and Illinois area. But there's a calling out there. I don't know anyone that has a podcast like this, but I know there are a lot of women that are looking for some women-driven podcasts out there. If you have one that you listen to, you want to recommend, please send it my way. You can email me at moredremontes at gmail.com. There's been a lot of focus on that as well as mental health and stress issues out there. I brought this up before and we seem to get a lot of traction on that as people were responding, sending me different links for that as well. But I do appreciate it so much. Got some things to talk about in Major League Baseball. That. uh, It's been on my mind. But before we get into that, I want to get into this. um, When when you realize that you could have done a better job. I don't care if you are a student, full time student, a parent at working in your nine to five day life in a sports world, whatever it may be. It seems like the next day or when the season is over, if you're not in that mode to be in the championship or the title, or winning the prize, or whatever it may be. You hear the stories of realizing you could have done a better job. I wish I could have done that. I wish I would have done this. or We could have put this in place. How can that be stopped? What do you need to get that frame of thought out of place when you realize you could have done a better job? And it's usually the next day. It's what I like to call water cooler talk or the fifth quarter. Or the 12th inning stretch, whatever it may be, the sixth quarter, sixth period in hockey, that that area when it, the game is over with or time is up, and you realize whether you're a fan of that team, of that sport, or you're a player. Even if you played intramural sports, even if you play competitive softball out there, after the game, you realize where those mistakes were made at. After the game, you realize that you yourself as an individual could have done a better job, but there's always something that gets in the way. Is it foreseeing what's ahead? Is it you basically thinking you got this under control? I think we all need that pause moment to prevent those from happening. If you've been through it before, it really resonates with you. Like, damn it, if only we could have done this or done that. Or maybe I should have taken this route. Now, I'm not talking about tragedy out there. You know, you get an accident on the way to work and you go a new route, realizing the next day you wish you would went the other way. No, I'm not talking about that. That's more of a premonition type of thing right there. What I'm talking about is more and more music and sports world because people are realizing things they wish they would have done, but they realize it the following day. And it's really come to mind right now because we're getting closer and closer to the Super Bowl, really close to it. After baseball season ended, you heard players from teams that didn't make the playoffs realizing what could have been been done. And we know it was an unusual approach throughout 2020 due to the pandemic. But I I can't use that as a clutch anymore or crutch anymore. I can't use it that way. It gives you more time to focus. I'm a big component of video big component of it in helping you get over the hump and realizing what you could have done. I think the videographer in sports, in movies as well, have done great jobs in giving guys and women their homework. So I'm going to give them their due diligence on that. But That is very interesting to me because we hear and see more content on realizing what could have been done. Let's say you got a football team that didn't make the playoffs. And you're hearing from the players more and more as we get closer to the game because they're not playing in the championship game, the Super Bowl. So they're reflecting on the season, realizing whether mistakes were made at, whether it be week one, week five, week eight, week 12. Now, injuries are a part of the game, and apparently so is the pandemic. So I'm not talking about those two scenarios there. But with a team and you knowing yourself, Know what you can and can't do, you have to realize at some point the following day, the following week, man, if only we could have shifted it here, realizing this. And I was pretty hard on myself in my later years of my softball career. I say the last five years because I went through that that moment. When when did it get out of hand? Keanu Reeves talks about it in the movie The Replacements. I, I bring this up a lot, that quicksand moment. No matter what you do, it's getting worse and worse, and you're sinking. You're just sinking. It's like giving up 14 runs in one inning, and you get in the dugout. You're saying to yourself, "What the hell just happened?" You slow the game down. The same things happen. You try to move a player here. The same things happen. You bring in substitute players. The same thing happens. So getting that quicksand moment and realizing what could have been done kind of goes hand in hand. I don't think there's no perfect solution for it. I think there's more tools out there nowadays with the advantages, the advances in technology and science. There are more things to try to help us see that curve coming ahead, even though it's not on our GPS system. So I think that kind of helps a whole lot. But I, I, I really do enjoy. When today's athlete reflect on a loss, uh, reflect on a challenging time in the game, that they realize they wish they could have done something a little bit different. And we can go back to games that we've seen and we replay the scenarios and we see it the next day in highlights and slow-mo. I'm not talking about a missed tackle or a missed basket or a missed goal or miscatch, I'm not talking about that. It's other instances that happen in that game or in that moment on your daily routine where it turns it into, damn it, I had a bad day. But if we could rewind the clock like they do in movies all the time, like in Denzel movie, you you can rewind it in deja vu, but we're not dealing with Denzel in that movie, we're dealing in actual life. But we can see a point in the day Because we all know somebody that had this usually around, I say, between 2 p.m. and 6 p.m. We see him. How was your day? I had a horrible day. What happened? What can we do so this doesn't happen again the next day? You had a bad day on the gridiron. You had a bad day on the court, on the ice, on the field. What can we do so that this does not happen again? Because I I think all athletes go through this at one point when they get to the point of trying to figure out what happened. What the hell just happened out there? But you don't realize it in the moment. You realize it the next day. Again, this is Who's to Blame, the podcast, and I'm your boy, Dre Montez. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to the show today and sharing the show. I really do appreciate all the shares and likes we have been getting out there. It is not going unwanted. Or unnoticed at all. i tell you one thing that has went unnoticed, and it's kind of brought a different light to me. I'm talking about Major League Baseball, the Hall of Fame committee, the Hall of Fame selection, the Baseball Writers of America. All of this that happened and transpired that happened a couple of weeks ago. We learned and found out that no one was going into the Hall of Fame this year. They didn't, think, they didn't feel any of these athletes were deemed Hall of Fame fit. Well, the Baseball Writers of America was founded on October 14, 1908 to improve working conditions for sports writers in the early part of the 20th century. It also sought to promote uniformity, of scouting, Methods and to professionalize the press box such that access was limited only to working reporters, telegraphers, and others who had a reason to be there. there. That's one of the main reasons why the baseball writers of America was formed. Now I've been a baseball fan for quite some time. My dad, the old man, pops, played baseball. As a kid, I saw my my dad in in a baseball, softball uniform, blew my mind. And I became a fan of watching the game on TV. Then I started playing baseball in 1977. Message. And then I started listening to the game on the radio with my grandmother. And that really brought a different look to the game. And I think probably the first time I heard the phrase Hall of Fame member was on the baseball bunch with Johnny Bench back in the day. And uh, Mel Allen. Hi, I'm Mel Allen. This is the baseball bunch. And welcome to This Week in Baseball, Twib Notes. We all remember that. But the first time I heard that phrase, Hall of Fame member, and I, I looked at the individual they were talking about, and something dawned on me. I thought you had to be a certain age to be eligible for the Hall of Fame. Now, since I've been a fan of baseball since 1977, there's been a lot of things that go on in baseball that are way out of our control. From the early part of baseball, before I was even here, they had problems with racial they had racial issues and they had alcohol and drug problems in Major League Baseball. And they've done things to put it up under the rug, so to speak, or try to deal with it the best way they can. But things started getting out of hand as the game started to Gain more speed, more pep in their step, more followers, more fans, more ways to view the game. It became a point in the 70s and 80s. We saw crazy uniforms, crazy promotional ideas. The the nightmare that happened in Chicago with the promotion blowing up the disco records. We saw that There's a little sex scandal that happened in the middle of there, too, like in the 80s a little bit. We know what the New York Mets did. We know all that. We know what the Cardinals were accused of doing. We know all the accusations that teams and players and people affiliated with Major League Baseball has done to the sport and with the sport and for the sport. And they've done what they can and could do. Then the strike happened. When the strike happened, nobody knew what to do. No baseball. And one of the commercials I remember, it was one little kid in the stadium. And all it said in the ad, please come back. And one little kid in the commercial. So now baseball's at odds. What to do once, once this strike is over with? What are we going to do to get the fans? Because I talked to people that were over the age of 35 that were pretty pissed off at baseball for the strike. The way it happened, everything that went down, finger pointing, who was right, who was wrong, who was the instigator in all this. And what was the overall resolution? Then we had a change and all this, and they come back, and there's a surge in the game. And that surge happened to be Shamalama ding-dong. Chicks dig the long ball. I mean, the ball was going out of the park at a very high rate, and fans were loving it. They were getting into the game. They were sold out, packed. Teams may be losing 16-2, 16-2, to two. but that team that has two has a guy on that team that can launch the ball, and people will stand by and seeing that. I mean, it's irate. It was, it was incredible what was happening in Major League Baseball. But in the back of our mind, the true baseball – I'm not going to say true baseball fans. That's wrong with me to say that. But people that care a lot about the sport, if you were collecting baseball cards, on the back of that card, it gives you, in chronological order, there are statistics that are being broken down. And one of them jumped out at me. New York Mets player Howard Johnson. When he hit 30 home runs, that blew my mind. And I looked at what his average was at the time. Blew my mind. And then Brady 9021 Anderson, former Baltimore Orioles, with the 90210 Jason Priestley and uh, Luke Perry sideburns. Tough. I mean, the numbers these guys were putting up was like just incredible, mind boggling. But some of us were like, something's up. Something is going on here. This cannot be right. Okay. Then allegations came out about what is a performance enhancement drug. What are you using? You can't alter this. You can't do that. You're not allowed to take this. I don't have the actual list of what type of medicine, aspirin, you can take as a professional athlete because each sport is different. I don't know if you're allowed to take Tylenol. I don't know if you're allowed to go to the team doctor and get something you can't get over the counter. I don't know. I don't take pills. If I get a headache, lay down, drink some water, dim the lights. I'm old school, old school. Only time I've taken any medicine, if they shot it up in me, thank you, United States Navy. But that's about it. I'm pretty freaked out on the whole medicine game ever since I saw a documentary about 15 years ago. But back to the point, these things were being done to improve the attendance, get that money up. Of course, everything is about money. I don't care what the commissioner said back then. No, 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 no. But it's been all over baseball about this talk of performance enhancement drugs, Barry Bond situation. And it was everywhere from uh, Mark McGuire, Brady 9021 Anderson. You had pitchers getting into this game, doing something. But we all still had this thought of saying, you still have to have the ability to play this game. The ability to play this game. I don't care what you take. You still have to have some type of athleticism in you to play the game of baseball. You got to have that. You just can't put a PD and someone who's never played baseball and say, go out here and play and give me 35 home runs and 120 RBIs. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But in Major League Baseball, it put a different cloud over the game. So now all these players had to go to Congress and testify, whether they wanted to or not, whether they pleaded the fifth or not. And looking forward, at the time, conversation came up. Well, a, a, a few of these guys are on board to possibly be in the Hall of Fame in a few years. What is the Hall of Fame committee going to do then? What is Baseball Writers of America going to do then? Well, that time came. And since 1940, this was the first time we did not have a Hall of Fame induction into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I have a problem with that. I really do have a problem with that because now you're getting way beyond the politics of the game. You're being judged on what you did on the field. Now, if the commissioner can come out. Let's see what former Major League Baseball commissioner can come out and say, hey, I allowed it. To, I allowed the floodgates to be open. Because we needed to put the fans back in the stadium. The revenue of the game of baseball was dropping at a drastic point. We needed to keep the money in the game. So I allowed this to happen. First of all, who decided that a drug is illegal in the sports world? What is this drug doing? How did you prove this? We had deer antler spray that some Major League Baseball players were using. You spray it up under your tongue. It gives you an extra bolt of speed. Who found that out? Who knew that? Just things like that. I have questions on who, where's this committee at that decided, hey, we're not going to let you take Tylenol PM, but you can take bare aspirin. See, there has to be a leeway here. A lot of these guys are being judged on their actions toward the reporters, their actions, what they've done outside of baseball when they're off work, when there's a day off for the team. They've been judged on that. But what they did on the field, on the field, you're trying to tell me. Now, I didn't like the guy when he played ball. It took a lot of people to convince me of this. Some of the Man Cave members, a couple of softball buddies of mine. And I'm talking about Barry Bonds. When I met Barry Bonds, I saw this guy be very rude to a room of reporters. Now, I'm not saying every athlete should be in a great mood when they're talking to reporters because What you did on that field could still be in your head. You're a little pissed off because you realize the opportunity that you missed. We never know the mode or the mood of the athlete that's being interviewed. So when we see this, we're like, wow. But I saw this whole thing unfold in front of me. And it blew my mind that to see a guy of that statue act like that. So I have my own thoughts on Barry Bonds, but no matter no matter what I think or believe or saw or heard or read, the guy still got on that field and performed, minus his playoff performance with the Pittsburgh Pirates back in the day. But the guy is a home run hitter. He's the best home run hitter in the game of baseball. He was the best player in the game, Barry Bonds. He's not in the Hall of Fame. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Now, if we go through the Hall of Fame and look who's in the Hall of Fame and seeing what has transpired in the sports world in the past four years, a lot of those plaques should be removed. Covered up a no existence. Now, the strides that the game has tried to make with race, politics, uh, women in baseball, and as far as getting it right. They're trying to make the right steps with this. Rob Manfred and his group of people with the Negro League is not being considered uh, a separate entity of major league baseball. They have now joined forces. So it's going to take some time with the hall of fame in Kansas city, but the Negro league is now recognized official members of major league baseball. So I'm proud of that step and accomplishment, but then we failed again with the Hall of Fame Selection Committee. I never thought I would say this, but I'm kind of with Kurt Schilling on this one here. Well, I'm going to take this to the Veterans Committee. I want to be voted on by guys that played the game of baseball. Would it be fair if people in your daily work life did not work where you work at, didn't understand your job, but all they did was read a review about your type of work that you do, and they were the ones to judge if you get a promotion or a raise. Wouldn't that be something else? If, if you work at Phil's Pizza Parlor and it's a chain and you're about to go to GM. But nobody in the pizza world. Has ever worked. The people that are judging to see if you get this new promotion have never worked in the pizza industry. Don't even like pizza. They get to figure out if you deserve a raise or a promotion. That would be mind-boggling to me. That's basically what I, how I'm reading this thing here with Major League Baseball and the Baseball Writers of America. I, I'm seeing this. I mean, it is, it is, it is just crazy on the thing. The organization's primary function is to work with Major League Baseball and individual teams to assure clubhouse and press box access. That's the primary function. Primary function of them. But then that you know they. Gave a little bit more. You got to have a little bit more credentials. You know, you got to have at least 10 years experience of consecutive coverage of Major League Baseball or a team or with a highly publication. Okay, I get all of that. But I think that we missed the boat on this one here, Major League Baseball, when it comes to getting folks in the Hall of Fame. We missed the boat. Time. Will the Veterans Committee step in and do a better job? I guess time will tell. Time will tell. Again, this is Who's to Blame, the podcast, and I'm your host, Dre Montez. And there are several ways you can follow our podcast. I don't know where you listen to your podcast at, but just type in Who's to Blame or Dre Montez. I'm quite sure you'll find it there It's well on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, and Podbean. We're all over the place. There's several ways you can track us. As I said before, visit our website, DreMontez.com. You can find a list of the sponsors, find a little bit more about me, and also do some shopping out there for yourself. You can get some swag of the show, and you can also get some gift certificates, buy something for a loved one, a show up, and show out. Again, that's dremontez.com. <laughs> so, you know, with the Super Bowl coming up, there's always going to be a winner and there's always going to be a loser. Someone whose exit strategy is going to be the best here. There's some retirements out there that are looming. There's some decisions to be made after this year. But Facebook has a funny way of showing us this about the history. So, a few years ago, when the Denver Broncos lost to the Seattle Seahawks in an embarrassment Super Bowl performance, we were at the Man Cave. We had our food. We had a bunch of people. That was a good time. But only two of us really dressed out, Man Cave member Jay and myself. We're Bronco fans, diehard. He wore his jersey, his paraphernalia. I had my Bronco chair, had my, had my colors on. But the game shifted. I even had eye black on, <laughs> like I was really adding the helmet on about to get some action. But we lost the game. And I had to walk out of the Man Cave and gather myself. Like, what just happened here? How did this happen? How did this happen? So, you folks that are cheering for the Bucks, cheering for the Kansas City football chiefs, I hope your exit strategy is well planned, and I hope that it goes well for both participating teams. I don't have a dog in the fight here at all. I just want to see a great football game, a hell of a matchup, High-scoring game like Big 12 football. I want to see something like that. I don't want to see a 13-3 Super Bowl. No, that would be disappointing. That that would be really, really bad if it was a 13-3 Super Bowl. Well, there may be a chance of thunderstorms. You know how South FLA is. So it may be a little situation there. I think the last inclement weather we had in the Super Bowl, besides the blackout at the Dome, <laughs> no pun intended, was between the Chicago Bears and the Indianapolis football coach. I think that was the last time there was inclement weather in the Super Bowl. If I'm wrong, pardon my French, but I'm, I'm going with that right there. But the exit strategy, it, it 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 in this Kansas City winning this one, I think T-12 is going to be even more hungry. And I've said this the day that we found out who was playing in the Super Bowl. I said, Here's my prediction and then why. And if you want to get a chance to listen to all that and hear that, tune in to my vlog, my video podcast, this Friday. Well, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we do it from 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can catch it on Twitter at W2B Dre Montez as well. And you can also catch it on YouTube, Dre Montez, as we will break down. Uh, Super Bowl superlatives. Not going to get too much in the commercials, but just my key points that I see, pick out the who I think is going to be the defensive MVP or offensive MVP on both sides. So it's going to have all that right there for you. But just remember this name here, JPP. I got, I, I, I'm feeling some type of way about this dude. He can be an impactful player with this Super Bowl matchup here. But again, I want to thank you guys for tuning into today's episode of Who's to Blame the Podcast. Lots of stuff going on sports wise this weekend to get us revved up and ready for the big game. Well, kids, boys and girls, children of all ages, I want to thank you for tuning into the show. And do not forget to appreciate the details of the day. We're gonna get out of here. We're going to chill with it, but thanks again, man. I really do appreciate it. It's fun to have passion in sports and entertainment. Thanks again for listening to the show, and until next time, we'll see you.